Okay, so we are in the second week of our um, self-control lesson. So we've got through the Spirit. We are all at the last of those um, descriptors that Paul gives in Galatians 5. Um, self-control. We talked last week, and I guess by way of introduction, I've, I've seems like I've come across more self-control, self-discipline type um, statements or comments here lately. I, I think I was on a social media site, and there's just a little short clip of, of a guy, not a Christian, not a believer, but he said his point was, um, I want to get your reaction to this, um, if you lose your temper, that shows that you cannot control yourself. What are your thoughts along those lines? Do you agree or disagree? What line? It seems right. It seems right. So, so if you lose your temper at something, you are proclaiming to those around you, I cannot control my emotions and my my feelings and my actions. So if you think back to the last time that you lost your temper or you got close to losing your temper maybe, this, that might be a good uh, thing to keep in the kind of the back of your mind as we're talking this morning. What are those things that I get close to losing my temper? In this situation, when, when he says this or when she says or does that, I get really close to having to losing it. Or maybe I did lose it. Okay? Maybe it was because somebody else did. Maybe it was a circumstance. Um, maybe in a vehicle. I don't know. Driving around. Whatever that is, let's keep that in mind because we're going to get really practical and we'll talk about um, a podcast that I'll, I would suggest that you listen to in the, in the next week uh, and go through some of his takeaways and his suggestions, and, and I think that would be helpful to you. It's been really helpful to me as I've begun to think through some of the implications of growing in self-control. So, um, but just by way of review, self-control, there, there were two words that we're dealing with in the New Testament, two Greek words. Um, we had enkratea, and then we had sophron. And we were ready for Sophron this, this morning, but I wanted to, to really quickly, uh, in Galatians 5.23, he's using the, the first word, um, and it's not used a whole lot, but it just means to rule over your passions and to control your desires. You are not run by your appetites and your desires if you're self-controlled. You rule over them. And so there's going to be some really helpful just practical things that we'll talk about later along those lines. But that's what uh, Paul is talking about. We read a couple of verses um, last week. One was in Acts 24 where Paul is talking to Felix. Um, and after some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. So Paul is preaching the gospel of salvation. And take note of what he says as he reasoned with him about righteousness and self-control in the coming judgment. So self-control is really integral to the Christian life. If you have faith in Christ, you will be self-controlled. And it frightened Felix. He was alarmed and sent him away. Um, we also see uh, the Apostle Peter in 2 Peter 1, um, really verse 5, he's talking about things that, that you need to be adding to your faith. You need to be growing in these areas. He says, make every effort, every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness. And he continues. So, Paul and Peter both think this is very, very important. 1 Corinthians 7, 9, we read. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 25 is where we ended last week. Let's read that one as uh, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to obtain a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And we made we several comments along the lines of, of these uh, athletes who devote their whole lives to becoming really good at throwing a ball or catching a ball or running fast from point A to point B or whatever that point is. 
and the amount of self-control that they can demonstrate in their diet, in their sleep schedule, in the, the activities and the things that they watch and listen to, like that is a great picture, but they're doing it for something that is going to rot. The, the end for which they are working so hard is temporal and perishable. And so Paul's pointed at that and saying, we, we're doing this, we're controlling ourselves and disciplining ourselves for something that is imperishable, that's eternal. And that should be a great motivator for us. And that brings us to page three where we left off. Uh, if you look there, letter B, in the following verses, this is the second root word, um, saffron. And we see 1 Timothy 3, 2, Therefore an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, and able to teach. So why do you suppose it's important for <coughs> overseers or elders to be self-controlled? You can kind of com combine that with question 18 as well. What happens? How does the leadership of a church affect the membership or the congregation? The leadership's not self-controlled. It's pretty hard for them to exhort others to be self-controlled. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, worship and uh, just the Christian walk is not going to be healthy within that church. Yeah. <clears throat> I think another thing, I've listened to this podcast, and one of the points that he makes is that having self-control protects your ministry. Mm -hmm. So if you're, if you're in leadership and you have a, demonstrate a lack of self-control that just undermines your credibility and erodes your your effectiveness mm -hmm. to to minister and to to do the things God mm -hmm. has called you to do. So it's kind of a safeguard to that. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, so you know, he uses Paul's, he, he's saying, I, I buffet my body so that I, I don't want to be disqualified. Right. It's protection. Yeah, that. yeah. Because a lack of self-control in one area will not stay in that area. I just lose my temper sometimes when I'm driving. That poisons other areas of my life, and it will grow, and it will spread. Any other comments? I've heard one, one guy at, at work, he, he likes to say, what you tolerate, you'll have in abundance. So if, if the leadership tolerates a lack of self-control, then that will be what you get. What the leaders do will be replicated. Yesterday in the Ironman Summit, we had there was the in the Q and A. There was a, a, a really great point made, and by I, I think it was Rick Holland was making the point that uh, the leadership, and, the, and you can just scale this to whatever leadership role you you play right, in your families and and in your roles, um, but specifically the, the elders and the are are accountable for every soul in their care, and we will give an account. For every soul, and I just, for some reason, I hadn't thought about that in a while, and I just thought, what, what will it be like if the Lord says, Brock, this soul in your charge mm -hmm. did not grow. You neglected this sheep. What am I going to say? Mm -hmm. I don't know. That, that, that was scary, though. So that was a little scary thing yesterday. So maybe it kind of gives, sharpens my mind, my attention on what my role is here. So this is, it was a great reminder that I am going to give an account. And you are going to give an account in, a, in your role for the things that the Lord has given to you to steward, the, the people that he has given to you to shepherd and to teach and train. We will give an account for, for their souls and for those things, the opportunities that we let go by because I was doing X. I think to another 
point made by Rick Holland during the Q&A was he was talking because there was that big discussion about alcohol and you know his him confronting Bart about it when he was still in seminary and he had made that comment he's like in 40 years of ministry I've never touched any alcohol of any short and he's like I've never had to explain why but he says he has friends that are in the ministry and they they constantly have to go through this rigmarole of like explaining why and then all this and all that so it's being being extremely self-controlled especially when you are a leader I think is I mean you can see that it's like it's just one less hassle it's one less stumbling block you know other than the gospel to, that would get in the way for you know the mm -hmm. lay people and you know the people around you so. any other comments before we move on okay let's go to page four we have second timothy one three through seven and actually i want to read a, another verse i think it'd be a loop. should have went through eight Okay, 2 Timothy 1, verse 3 says, I thank God, whom I serve as I did my ancestors, <clears throat> with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may f be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. <clears throat> so in that, in that context, as you think about Timothy, it, what, why do you think Paul was reminding him of these things? It would be helpful to remember the, the context here. Where is Paul as he's writing this letter? He's in prison, right? And where is this like this is the imprisonment we know from, from later in 2 Timothy. Paul's not getting out this time. He knows the, this is the end. My ministry is over. You know, it's coming to an end. And he knows that he's about to be killed. And he's writing this letter to his dear protege, Timothy. And in the, in the context, it seems that there's a couple of things... That, he, he's remembering Timothy with joy, remembering uh, his tears, and he's, he's reminding him that God didn't give you a spirit of fear. Why might he have said that? Timothy was young, mm -hmm. and people were questioning yeah so he's, he's a young man and if you think about like Paul is he is the apostle to the Gentiles he's the big name and he told Timothy to stay there and he and he sent Timothy and he told the, the church this is so here's your leader but what happens when Paul is gone I think that that might be an occasion to fear for Timothy's so, well, I mean, They listened to me before, it's because Paul told them to. He probably saw um, Christians being persecuted as well, so you know, Paul was in prison. Right. Yeah, I think that's the big one. So right there, in Paul's in prison, writing him a letter. And he's saying, therefore, don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. And probably not meaning like, like, Timothy's nervous about some doctrine. No, no. The pressure is, or the fear is like, I don't want to go to prison. I don't want to be killed. I don't want to be persecuted. Don't be ashamed of the testimony about, about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. 
but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. And so what, what role is self-control? We have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power. That makes sense, right? And love. Okay, that makes sense too, Paul. And self-control. How do how does fear and self-control like how are they related? What we fear greatly impacts our decisions, mm-hmm. which means I'd be controlled by my fear rather than be controlled by the Holy Spirit and God's word. Mm-hmm. What you fear controls you. We've heard a lot. Um, so, and we've heard that in the context of you can fear men or you can fear the Lord. And in that sense, that you want to fear the Lord because the fear of the Lord helps you to <clears throat> hate evil, abstain from evil. And here, you say, yeah, if, if you don't control yourself and your thoughts and your affections and what, you think, what you're focusing on, it's really easy to be fearful. Paul's in prison. He's writing me this letter. He's about to be executed. Now, then what? We can have all kinds of fears that just take off in our minds. <coughs> Moving on. Uh, Titus 1.8. This is uh, more about elders and overseers, that they must be uh, hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Um, older men, so in case, uh, I really like Titus, He's, he covers everybody in these verses. So older men, you're to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Um, then he goes to older women, and how they are supposed to, they are likewise, um, and then they're supposed to teach the young women to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their own husbands. Uh, that the word of God may not be reviled. So Paul lists, I'll just answer the question, everybody. He says, older men, younger men. In fact, with the younger men, he just that's the only thing he tells them. <laughs> Tell them teach the younger men to be self-controlled. The older men, they get a list. Older women, they get a list. Younger women, they get a list. The younger men, like, just, just try to be self-controlled. Just do your best. Yeah. So... <laughs> If you can learn that young man, that will have a huge impact. And then in Titus 2, here's like the, the clincher. Verse 11 and 12. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to have renounced ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. What's the implication some questions we should start asking for someone who has no self-control and professes to be a believer. There's, there's, there definitely needs to be some questions asked. And then specifically, though, what is training us to be self-controlled? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Yeah, in that, in that verse, what does he say? What's the attribute? Godly, living the upright and godly life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the rules of God have appeared. The grace of God has appeared. And that is, uh, I think that's a, a reference to Christ. Jesus came, was born. He, was the, he talked about the appearing of our God and Savior earlier. And in, and in 2, he says, the grace of God has appeared. Referring to Jesus, Jesus came and he, he trains us. And it's, and it's the grace of God that, that's interesting. There is a lot of seeming self-control in legalistic Contexts. Yeah, I just got a bunch of rules. As long as I follow these rules, then I'm self-controlled. And there, there's an element of that that's true, but that's not the kind of self-control that the Holy Spirit produces in us. 
It's not an outward working itself inward to our hearts. These rules have been imposed on our community by this leader, my dad, my mom, my whatever, my book that I read. And so I'm just going to do these rules versus the fruit of the Spirit comes from the Spirit indwelling us and empowering us to say no to desires for the purpose of pleasing God. And I think even a, a better term than self-controlled would be God-controlled, because it's not just us mm-hmm. trying to mm-hmm. enact some sort of will to be self-controlled in whatever area mm-hmm. we're working on. So one question I would ask the person <coughs> is, or try to get to that point in my questioning, is whether they're being submissive in what's being discussed or what mm-hmm. God is saying. Because oftentimes a lack of control, self-control is a lack of obedience. Mm-hmm. And it's not a, um, of your own will, but like, no, are you submitting? Like, this is what God says. Are you humbly going before God and asking him for help? Mm-hmm. Are you humbly going to your mentor and saying, okay, I see self, lack of self-control here. What are some steps? What are some things I can do to change my thinking, change my behavior? How can I be in God's word? So mm-hmm. really that submission humbly would be a point I would at one at some point want to get to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it could be that as you're as you're discipling this person and, and you just see them there's lots of areas where there's a lack of self control. There could be a thing where they just need to see the gospel. The grace of God training us to be self controlled, godly and upright. Are you seeking to obey the word of God? That's a good point. There is I seems like um, I've come across more lately that that balance and it's been over the last few years as a young Christian I, I want to you know we pray for things and we want God to zap it and do it like we want, I want God to do like God when are you going to make me holy when are you going to make me gentle and patient and kind and, and there is such a, that, that is not how it works. Like, I've been, you know, and, and early when you start thinking about, you know, the hyper-Calvinists and, you know, when you hear the doctrines of grace and salvation is all of God. God accomplishes salvation. Amen. So he must accomplish all of everything for me. And, and I, I've had to swing back away from that, that extreme because... God demands that I grow in these things. He demands that I work out my salvation with fear and trembling. Now it's God who works in me to will and to work for his good pleasure, but there that that doesn't erase the previous part. Like there is a demand that we deny ourselves. We're about to read. There is there's demand that I strive and work hard but for what that, that, how you answer that next question it makes all the difference I am as a believer depending on the grace of God to work hard in, for my sanctification I am supposed to make sure that I'm careful about what I'm taking in through entertainment what I'm spending my time and money on, what I'm thinking about. I am supposed to work hard to set my mind on Christ, who's in heaven. Right? I'm supposed to look to eternal things and not temporal things. But that Those are commands given to me that I work out with the energy and strength that, the, that God gives me through the Spirit for His glory, to know and obey Him more. We get into trouble when I start saying I'm doing this so that people will see me and say, well, man, that, that guy's godly. He's impressive. <coughs> he's got it all together. Man, he's, that, it, it all starts to fall apart. I'm making it about me. I'm not making it about the glory of God anymore. I'm making it about the glory of me. So that the work part is, is something that I've kind of shied away from. Well, no, it's your working with the strength that God gives for His glory. 
because I love Jesus. Those things we have to keep centered and we work hard. So that, that's the thing that, that we have to keep. And we'll, we'll overcorrect sometimes and we'll get too far into the I'm working, I'm working, I'm working. I get so focused on me and my working. And we'll have to turn and, and put our eyes on Christ and, and repent and remind ourselves that we're, we're okay, the point of that is so I can know Jesus. And then I'll, maybe I'll go too far over here and I don't, I'm tired of working and I, I'm taking it easy too much. No, no, we need to correct. Scripture says I need to be self-controlled. So there, it is a balance, and it's it's one of those things where you have to be constantly um, keeping an eye on that. And also, that's another reason why we need to be in church consistently. We need to be fellowshipping together. We need to be sharing the things that that we're struggling with, and the prayer requests, and the victories that the Lord is doing in our in our lives. We we need each other for that as well. That was a really big side trail there. <laughs> Any, any other? Oh, John. I've got a question here. I hope it's not too far off mm-hmm. the side. Of it. Since the last time we've met, I've been thinking, what's the difference between, I'm looking at Titus 1 8 here, like, what's the difference between being self controlled and self disciplined? We kind of use those interchangeably. Mm-hmm. But I think there's some subtle differences. Yeah, the, the self control, at least in, in the studying that I've done, is about. Um, in the moment, I have a desire to do something. I need to make sure I don't just act on that desire. Self-discipline is like a, a training. I am training myself to grow in some certain way. So they, they, are, they are different. Uh, my understanding is that I, self-discipline is we need to plan to be self-disciplined. How, what time am I going to wake up? How, what am I going to eat and not eat? What am I going to watch and not watch? I'm going to do these, these are the habits that I want to develop of prayer and scripture reading and church attendance. I'm going to carve out certain things in my skin. I am growing and getting stronger in my fight against sin. Uh, that, so that's my understanding of that. And then self-control is in, in these moments when I'm you know, driving down the road, if I'm in a conversation <coughs> and these things, and I, I really want to sin. Like, so all that really made me matter. Whatever. Yeah, in conjunction with my son-in-law, we kind of came up with self-control is restraining mm-hmm. and self-discipline is training. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't like that. Yeah. Self-control is holding in or restraining of your passions. Mm-hmm. And self-discipline is kind of outworking or the training that yeah. you were talking about. And training for positive, yeah, for positive training. Jason? So the practical putting off and the practical putting on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So the restraining, is sometimes it's a little bit unexpected. Although, you know, there's a proverb, the fool, you know, doesn't plan ahead. So there is a, there's even a planning for like, when am I going to need to restrain myself? That's where we have to ask that question. When do I, when do I lose my temper? Do I tend to, when do I tend to overindulge? And then I make a plan for that. Right? But sometimes the self-control specifically, as, as John is saying, it's in the moment, I have this desire, I need to not act on it. I need to control that. Put my flesh to death. So, and we're going to get to some, some of the practical things of that in, in just a little bit. Because it's not always just like, I really wanted to say something really mean. I really wanted to do something wicked. It's sometimes it's like, I, I want to eat a cookie. <laughs> yeah? And, <laughs> well, we'll get there. We'll get there. But, so, we'll, we'll get there. But... <laughs> Yeah, I'm just gonna not think about that. What I did yesterday about the cookies. I don't know if everybody heard it, but you ladies might be interested in this. Didn't somebody eat five pies yesterday? Somebody ate five pieces of pie yesterday. Well, why? <laughs> Better question is why not? Somebody told me they ate two more pies after that. Well, yeah. Uh, we're to move on. I'm getting it. I have a question about uh-huh. anxiety. If some anxiety is such a common thing these days, mm-hmm. if somebody's struggling with anxiety and they're needing help with self-control over that, and then self-discipline, how would you go about asking questions to get them to that point? That is a good question. So, so Brooke's asking about anxiety specifically. How do you help somebody to exercise self-control over their, their um, those anxious thoughts? And I think you. 
you, well, you need to figure out what is what what are they anxious about, and that's going to be coming out. You'll you'll know that as you're discipling them. But I think you just go to scripture and you say, the way that you exercise self control when I'm starting to get anxious is to tell myself to stop thinking about that and to fill my mind with scripture. Mm-hmm. Like so, the uh, with Philippians four eight, right? So um, whatever's true and noble. So I'm going to stop myself, and I might have to say it out loud. Stop. I'm not going to think about my child, if whatever this thing, or I'm not going to think about the storms coming or the whatever this is that's making me anxious. I'm not. I'm going to think and say, I'm going to, well, I'm A, go back to 4 6, right, in Philippians. I'm going to take all of my anxieties to the Lord. I'm going to everything, I'm going to go to Him with everything. I'm going to make my requests known to God and with thanksgiving for how he's been faithful to me all my whole life. And not only in, for my physical life, but he has secured my eternal destiny. I am in his family and his kingdom. And I, so we start to re- remind ourselves of those things, and we pray about those things, we make our requests, and we think, and this, this is again, this is a, an ad, ad, attribute of self-control, I'm going to make myself think about something very countercultural right now. I get to decide what I think about. Right? Like, no one just sneaks in. I deal with this with students all the time. Like, well, so-and-so made me laugh. No, they didn't make you laugh. They made me mad. They, well, he did this to me. Okay, hold on. Hold on, buddy. Like, you did that. You said that because you wanted to say that. It takes a while, but but, but that's the, that's a message that I'm thinking. Like you you cannot blame somebody else for you saying that mean thing. That was mean. You can't say that. Well, he said no, 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 no. You said that because you wanted. That's what's in your heart, and you let it out. So you get to. And I, I mean, it starts at a very elementary level, but with people that we're talking about, you get to. Tell your mind what to think about, what to dwell on. Um, the, so I would take him to Philippians. There's the um, First Corinthians. Um, I'm blanking on the verse, but it's about the, the the weapons of our warfare are mighty for pulling down strongholds. And so those are ideas and and things that we have the ability in Christ to control what I'm thinking about. And so that is really important for us to do is self-control. Does that kind of answer the question? Any other comments along those lines? It's a continual process, too. Mm -hmm. I think oftentimes we're like, well, I did that. Okay. Um, How long? How many times? When the next temptation, right after you went through that process, did you start all over again? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There have been times where I've had to do everything you just said, and as soon as I'm done, I've had to start all over again. Uh, yeah, because or the fear comes back. It it happens the first you do it the first time and you expect that that's gonna take mm-hmm. care of it for the rest of it. That's another thing. No so magic words. Not only does God not gonna do it for me, but he, and it's okay, Lord, I'll do it. I'll, I'm taking it to you, my anxieties, and I'm I'm doing uh, Philippians four six through eight. Okay, now, and I get scared again. I'm like ah, it didn't work. <laughs> but that's not how it works. We we have to continually do it. It's a process, and and it's like. It's like exercising your physical body. I don't go to exercise one time and then I'm, I'm all fixed and strong now. And no, that's a process. <laughs> that's a process that requires continual training and working. And, and as we do it, we, we work out those spiritual muscles of self-control. And I think and part of us, since this is like a biblical counseling focus, mm-hmm. we have to remember when we're talking to those people to... Remember that we've been there, first of all, and then two, that it's a process, so we have to be patient with them mm-hmm. in the process. Yeah. Yeah. So this person is not listening. This is the third meeting where we're talking about. No, well, guess what? It's gonna, it might take a long time. They might wrestle with that, that process for years. And that's a great point. Be patient as the Lord is patient with you and with me. Matthew 16, 24 through 26, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself 
and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever who would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? But what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the sake of time, what, what Jesus is teaching us that the Christian life is about self-control. Denying the passions of what I want to do for the sake of following Christ. Right? And then a couple of really, uh, some of my favorite Proverbs. Proverbs 25, 28. A man without self-control is like a city broken down and left without walls. Okay? Especially at that, at that time, if your city did not have walls, any enemy could come. So a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. So whenever I lack self-control, I'm opening highways for the enemy to come in. In Proverbs 16.32, another great one, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Just think about if you believe that, what is what are the implications? If I really believe that, he who is slow to anger and rules his spirit is better than the, the mighty and the one who takes a city, who conquers, is victorious, admired. It's kind of amazing. I encourage you to think about those two proverbs. That, how important it is to rule your own heart, to rule your own passions, I should say. To rule your own desires. It is better to do that than to conquer a city. Okay? So we've got about 15 minutes here. I think this, that's probably enough time. There might be a lot of, of discussion on this. So if you've got this page uh, in your handout, or if you just grabbed one of these, um, these were, uh, I added maybe a couple of things here and there, but most of this is straight from this podcast. I, it, it was really good. I've listened to it a, a couple of different times. I, think I would really encourage all of you to go to see it. Um, the Bible Sojourner, if you just Google that, he, I think he comes up. Peter uh, Gaiman is how he pronounces it. Um, but he gives, he, he, half of it is just really good, practical. He gives four good biblical reasons why we should grow in self-control. Um, and then he gives you, these are the practical ways of how, uh, how that works out. He says, first thing you should do is pray for it. Right? Um, it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's something that God needs to work in us. Uh, and so uh, he makes the point, what we pray for, we think of. So make sure, put it on a list and pray for it. Lord, please help me to grow in self-control. I want to restrain my feelings and my passions and desires. I want to make sure that I'm telling me what to do, not my body, my flesh. And another reason, yeah, it's, it is God's will that we grow in self-control. So if we pray, you know, that he would do that, and that's, he's going to answer that prayer. He's going to help us do that. So that's the wonderful thing. He says, start small. Um, don't set an unattainable goal. Um, if we, and he uses that, the, um, Example of Bible reading, if you're not reading your Bible every day, then don't start with, I'm going to read my whole Bible uh, in a month. That's not a good goal. And if you start that goal and you get behind because that's your habit, then you're going to quit. So set attainable goals. Get organized. Oh, this one. There's a couple in here that are going to be, oh, ouch. Okay, so get organized. Meaning... Um, it, it is not, when my desk is a mess, my office or my, my room or whatever, if it's disorganized, it's a lack of self-control. I don't have this, the, I just want to put it there and be done with it. And, and instead, I need to, okay, well, I need to put this in its place. Where is the place for this thing so that I can actually find it later? Um, in, the, in the podcast, he talks more about um, dates and make, not, sh not missing appointments, not missing meetings and things like that. So like use a calendar, like, write it down, be organized with your time. Um, he says, beware of entertainment, number four. 
And then, so, uh, so TV and streaming services, social media, um, binge watching shows and, and movies are wrong. College football, not, I'm oh, no, kidding, kidding, that's not it. So, <laughs> Lindsay asked, oh, no, I think that, there was someone who asked a question last time <laughs> about sports. And I was like, oh, um, yeah, so that is one of those things. Is it okay to watch college football all day on Saturday? And then NFL all day on Sunday? Just leave it there. Just, that's, that's the what, conviction of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> is that what the sprinkler said that yesterday when he said, I like sports, but we need to put God first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It just depends on what you do with halftime. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe. maybe we we can talk about it later. No, there's there's a yeah there's this there's this sense where I I love watching football, and I could watch football for a long time. So that is a it, it shows a lack of self control if I'm spending a whole Saturday watching college sports or my whole Sunday watching um, NFL or whatever professional sport you like to watch, uh, or what show, it, it, it's anything, but it's a good thing to remind myself that includes sports too, it's not just, you know, some silly TV show that I think is dumb, so of course I'm going to control myself and not watch that, but sports also, so good point, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> so be truthful. This is a, this is another one that was maybe not as readily apparent. Um, having self control to speak only what is true, um, and then also when you just say some things, and the common one is like, "I'll pray for you." Like, are you? Do you mean that? If you say it, you should mean it. Um, and so I, I was talking to a, a gentleman yesterday, and I, I was feeling convicted, because sometimes I say that, and I will pray a couple times for that person, and then I forget. Um, talking to, uh, reconnecting with a guy that I've, I've known for a long time, and, and hearing some of the things that, that are going on with him, and I, and I told him, I'm going I'm to be praying for you. And then I pull out my phone on my little prayer app, and I said, oh, I'm going to put his name in there and talk about the thing I need to pray for him about. So that's going to be something that helps me remember, because I told him I'm going to pray for him. And so I'm not, I, I should not say that if I'm not going to do it. Mm -hmm. um, so. And then uh, in the podcast, he quotes um, that Psalm 15:4, the man who swears to his own hurt and does not change. If I say I'm going to do it, and then it becomes inconvenient for me to do it, I'm still going to do it. So, and that, that's in the context of Psalm 15, who can ascend to your holy hill? That, that's a big deal. It's like the, who keeps his hands pure, who keeps his word, basically. Right? That's, that's an important thing. Who is God pleased with? And then number six. Okay, be on time. If you are late, and he, he does a good job of, of saying it's not that you can never be late, but is that the exception? If I am late, is it an exception, or am I always late to this? Do I always allow other things to keep me from that time commitment that I said I was going to be at? Being late communicates that this that we're doing, or, or you as a person, are not very important to me. So I was thinking about other things that are more important to me. So, ouch. Okay, so... Um, it also shows, it does show a lack of self-control. If I'm just, not necessarily, if I just lose track of time and I get busy with all these other things and I'm always late because I got wrapped up in something, I just, I'm not controlling and managing my time and schedule in a way that I can meet my commitments. I said yes to a meeting here. I need to organize and control my life as much as possible and my things my situation so that I can leave on time to get there and honor what I said I was going to do and not be late. <coughs> and of course, there's, there's always there's going to be some exceptions to that, but it should be, like he said, it should be the exception, not the rule. If it's the rule, then we have, a, we have an issue we need to work through. Okay? 
C small units of time. I know I'm working through fast. Um, he talks about um, whenever you got a, a couple of minutes here and there, what is, what is the standard response? What is the action that we all tend to do? Maybe it's just me, but there's a lot of people when we have a few minutes, what do we do? Right? But that like sees those moments of time. What could we do? Pray. That's a, that's a big example that he gives in the, in the podcast. He, he says, like, take those minutes and pray about something. He talks about having just a running list of things that you can accomplish in short amounts of time. Maybe it's thinking through a question. Maybe it's reading a quick article. Maybe it's praying. It's probably going to be praying. You can always pray when you have some spare time. Um, let's see. How often are we going to social media in small moments of time uh, rather than being bored or just sitting quietly? Okay. Number eight, do the most difficult tasks first. Procrastination kills many uh, goals. So whatever we have decided, this is really important that I do this today. Do that first. This is a, a suggestion. Um, don't do the easy things first. Because he talks about, we tend to be like, oh, I've got several, oh, I've got like seven little things done here. I deserve a break. And then we take a break, and, and because we lack self-control, we, we, you know, that break turns into a longer break, and then we don't ever really get to the important thing that we said I should get done today. So do the difficult thing first, and then do it. <laughs> so, and then, we have a few more here. I'm, we're running out of time. Let me see here. Um, working into all tasks is, okay, this one's important too. Um, working until something is complete instead of, I, well, I started it and giving myself a pat on the back because I started the hard thing and I got halfway done, so I deserve a break now. Um, but no, I, I'm going to see it to completion, uh, not just after I've, I've got a good start. Um, so, and that helps you, that helps us to build up um, our endurance in tasks. When we got to do this with kids. Kids naturally, and we hear about this all the time in education, is they have this, this so many minutes in their attention span, and that's used as a as a, a that's legitimate, uh, but it's used as something like so every every that many minutes every segment you need to switch to something else. Okay, in the beginning, sure, but what should we be training those kids to do? We should be training them to lengthen that. Okay, if you have a four minute attention span. Okay, we're going to work on things, and, and gradually we're going to lengthen that attention span so that you have a six-minute attention span. Okay, now we're going to work eight minutes. Now we're 10, 12, 15 minutes. And then, so we have to train that. We can train that in ourselves by, I'm working on this task. Okay, I'm getting a little bit tired of doing this, but okay, I'm, I'm going to work on it for 10 more minutes. I'm just going to force myself. I'm going to work on this past what I want to do. I don't want to work on it anymore. I have a desire in my heart to go get a cookie and to scroll Facebook. Okay? Uh, no, I'm not going to do that. Not because a cookie is sinful, but because I'm, I'm going to tell myself what I'm going to do. I'm going to control the desires of my heart. So I'm going to make myself work a little bit longer. And by making that a pattern of our thinking and decision making, we're going to build our endurance and our control over our desires. Okay, so um, accept correction. <clears throat> that one, ouch. Okay, so don't immediately defend yourself. Okay, if somebody's correcting me and says, oh, actually, you missed that. You didn't do that right. You, that was really bad. <laughs> You're not very good at that. Then a lot of times my first desire is to defend myself and explain to you, well, this is why that didn't really work out like I wanted it to. <laughs> Well, this is this. Well, the reason I said it like that, the reason I did it like that, was actually because well, and, and go to this, you know, explanation, so that they will say, "Oh, okay, yeah, that's understandable." No, no, no. Okay. Controlling myself, if I'm being, if I'm getting some criticism, well-intentioned or not, self-control means okay, I'm going to consider whether this is true or not. If I don't know, I'm going to take it to my wife 
or someone who knows me well is godly and say, hey, so-and-so said this. What do you think about it? Do you see that pattern in me? And if they say yes, then like, oh, okay. Then I need to deal with that. And if they say no, then you can say, you can go back to the person and say, ah, you were wrong. No, <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. You just, you just let it go. We, because we're controlling ourselves, we might want to do that. It might be another desire that we need to control. And, but, but if we, if we control ourselves, we can take criticism and correction um, better. Practice self-denial. Um, say no to things that are legitimate pleasures for the purpose of self-mastery. Uh, and that is things like, um, I, we could have the delicious cookies at, from Iron Man at, at fellowship time. It would be legitimate for me maybe to say, nope, I'm not going to, even though they're delicious, because just because my body makes I crave something doesn't mean I need to give in to it. Just because I could do it and enjoy it doesn't mean I'm going to and that it would be good for me to tell myself yes to every craving that I have. So the idea being, I'm going to deny myself not because this thing would be wicked if I did it, but because I am exercising and training my body and my, my body needs to know that I'm in charge, <laughs> not, not it my body, the desires of my flesh, which leads to the, the next one, wake up on time. I might be on time part, but when the alarm clock goes off, do I get up or do I push snooze nine times? Okay, like my body is always going to tell me, ah, just push snooze, not a big deal. Okay, but if, I, if I'm going to exercise self-control, I'm going to get up right when it goes off first time so there are um, things about that that we're we're training ourselves it is going to be very difficult to resist sinful urges if I never resist other urges urge for a cookie if I never tell myself no when this temptation comes how am I going to tell myself no then I never do it so that, that's the idea of self-denial. Not because it would be wrong for you to do it or for me to do it, but because I need to make sure that I'm denying my flesh and making sure I'm keeping my flesh in check. And the last one is welcome responsibility. Um, volunteer, offer, offer your help. Uh, he makes a, a comment about, the, you know, it's, it's often the people who say that they're the busiest Oh, I'm just too busy. I got so many things going on. They're, usually, they just waste a lot of time. And and the and the truly busiest people are, are the ones who get the most things done because they have self control and they manage their time and they manage their energy and they manage their abilities and they do a lot um, for people for the kingdom. Um, so, there's some thought questions there. We're out of time. Any any final comments or questions? Throw out there before we. Good yeah. you, you mentioned you use a, you use a prayer app. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Prayer Mate is the app, the, the name of the prayer, prayer Mate. Mm -hmm. It's kind of an orangish, yellowish app. It's like that. I mean, that, yeah, I could I could show you that in a little bit. So, but it's a it's been helpful. Yeah. Other things. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week.